0: the mess it up podcast where we take your mess and turn it into a message and now here's a bowtie guy hey guys welcome to the mess it up podcast i am here once again to uh guide you through your tuesday morning uh, hopefully it is a fantastic Tuesday morning for you. We are in September, which means, if nothing else, it means that hopefully, at some point, all these heat waves are going to be done and we're going to be getting into some cooler weather uh, because I'm a little bit done with summer. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, summer has uh, has done its thing for me and I could go for some cold uh, right about now. So hopefully we get some. It is a uh, beautiful September. Hopefully your Labor Day went well. Sadly, you probably had to put all your white clothes away, um, and we got to go with the dark stuff. The the white clothes won't come out again until, I think, Easter. Is that when it is? No clue. No clue. Well, all right. I just know
1: Labor Day is when you have to put your white pants away. Yeah,
0: I I, want to say we get to do it on Easter because everyone brings out their colors for Easter. I could be wrong. Uh, you may have heard uh, the uh, the dulcet tones of Miss Mariah. She is back on the show. Welcome, Mariah. Good to be here. And uh, when we were here last time, I uh, told her that I was going to talk to her about some stuff. And so I invited her to be on the show. And then we got here. Uh, I had a heart out that I had to do. And whenever I do that, I talk really fast and jam things in. And so we didn't get to talk about what we wanted to talk about. So um, I said, let's come back and. Uh, uh, talk about what we want to talk about and now i'm trying to talk and type uh about things when do we get to, i'm typing in the uh, uh the thing where colors um see if it says seasonal colors when do you start to wear colors um doesn't say it says how to pick colors oh gosh so apparently
1: I'm, we put our p- white pants away after Labor Day and just throw a guess into the wind on when we can Yeah, them exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. So for right now, just wear your warm fall colors. Do you have a favorite season, Mariah?
1: My favorite season is spring.
0: Spring, okay. I'm a winter guy and I like fall. Bev is definitely a summer girl. She would like all four seasons to be summer. Um, eventually when we move to Hawaii, she is super thrilled. Because it's just summer all year long, but it's kind of nice though. It's summer with with spring, because everything's always blooming. So you get the blooming of spring, but you get the warmth of summer, which she wants,
1: and not the warmth of Ridgecrest summer.
0: This is not warmth.
1: <laughs> this is blistering heat. Warmth. It's a yeah. It's Warm a is a fire in
0: the in 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 the fall. Uh, this is this is more than warmth. So yeah, so I I I can't wait for it to get nice and, and cold again. Uh, but anyhow. I, I digress, as I typically do. Um, we're here to do a show, uh, so I want to tell you a couple things about the show. First of all, our word of the week this week um, is muse, and uh, muse has two meanings. Um, originally, uh, it was in, in uh, Greek and Roman mythology. You had the muses that would sit and you know help guide different artistic uh, and scientific. Processes, So people talk about their muse, speaking to them um, in writing um, or something that, you know, uh, we've we've blended that now into just inspiration for creativity. I can also mean uh, becoming absorbed in something and and thinking about something. So there you go. If you use muse this week in your uh, words and your sentences, give yourself 10 bonus points each time you do so because it's a lot of fun to uh, sit and muse about musing. Um, So there you go. Uh, we are 100% listener supported as you know so check us out on our Patreon go to messituppodcast.com and click on the become a patron button and you can follow the links there or if you want to do text to give text the word mum mum's the word to 760 760- walls ca because that sends uh, us into the walls of the prisons in california all of your text to give 100% of text to give is tax deductible the patreon is like 92% tax deductible because patreon takes about 8% of uh, of your gift And uh, uses that as a fee so we're not able to give you the the tax deduction on that one but uh, anyhow uh, if you want to do it for tax deduction I recommend the text to give if you just want to do it whatever is good for you is good for us and we really really appreciate that Um, I was just talking to Mariah as we ended August I, I was looking at how much mileage we had for prison fellowship um, and ministry events in the month of August, we had about 2,500 miles that we were driving. So we really appreciate all of you people who are um, supporting us and helping get us out of there. As I say, you know, hashtag send Paul back to prison um, and uh, everyone will be thrilled. Uh, So, Mariah, welcome back to the show. Um, for those of you who don't remember Mariah, go back and listen to the show two weeks ago. Um, It was not that long ago uh, that she was here, but um, we talked about worship last time. You're the worship uh, arts pastor at our church in Ridgecrest, but you're also a songwriter, and that's why I wanted to have you here is to talk about songwriting. So today we're gonna be talking a little bit about songwriting, and uh, as I was Preparing for the show, which if you listen to the show, you know I don't do. Uh, I decided to prepare today and that's where I came up with our our Word of the Week with Muse. Um, What is your Muse? Where do you get your inspiration in writing songs and and has that been consistent?
1: Um, My inspiration usually comes from um, whatever emotion I'm currently processing. Uh, I think last time I was on, I mentioned that every boy I ever dated got a We Got Together song and a breakup song because my inspiration is just I'm feeling emotions and I want to express those in some mm-hmm.
0: way. Have you written the We Got Together song for Jesus?
1: Uh, I would say probably. Un- unfortunately, I can't remember a lot of my early writing yeah uh because i never recorded any of it uh, but i would write like a song a week in high school so i'm sure somewhere along the lines there there was a song about and what does writing look
0: like for you when you're writing music um are you just writing chord progressions or are you notating everything mozart
1: style uh so when i am writing music i am a little weird in that i write melody and lyrics simultaneously okay uh, so writing for me is having my phone out with the memos open and just throwing it out there playing it back seeing how I liked it tweaking things and then doing it again
0: okay and so the final version do you have you know notes on staffs or the final version you just have chord charts
1: uh it's final f- version I usually have chord charts
0: okay and because you're the writer, you know where the melody goes um, on it. And you're typically writing, I'm guessing, to play on piano for you now, or keys?
1: Piano now, I used to be primarily guitar. Guitar.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh I find it's a little easier for me to write on guitar because then I, I can just strum and kind uh-huh. of turn that part of my brain off with a chord progression and then write on top of it. Whereas with piano, I have to focus a little more on what I'm playing.
0: So. And I have not done, I, melodies escape me. Um, anytime I've tried to write songs, I'm always like, oh man, I am sure I stole this melody from someone. Or I'll be doing it it's like, oh, I know why that melody's so good. Yeah, Paul McCartney wrote that one. Yeah, okay. Um, so I just have given up on, on writing music. But it seems to me if I was writing on a key uh, instrument or if I was writing on a guitar, I would have two different approaches with it because on a guitar, I would probably be lean into rhythm Mm -hmm. and strum patterns on the guitar. Whereas with, if I was playing on keys, I would just hit those chords and hear the progressions, but not have any inclination about rhythm yet. How does that work for you? Where does the rhythm come in? Or is that when the melody happens? And there I am, I'm talking for you. (laughs)
1: um, Yeah, with guitar, I would say it's, Easier for me to stay in a key signature, like, if I'm strumming, I know I'm strumming in 4-4 from start to finish, and so that kind of helps with some of that uh, rhythm, so you are correct in that, that the guitar really helps with rhythm there. Uh, Piano, I can still uh, write rhythm because technically piano is a percussion instrument as well, uh, I was
0: going to I was waiting for the as well because I say, well, now technically we can have a debate for a long time on, on whether it's percussion or not. But yes. OK. As well. I agree as well. Yes. Uh,
1: so yeah. So, yes. you. I can still write quite a bit of rhythm with the keys. Um, it's just easier on guitar for me to keep a consistent rhythm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For me, I can do you know, I, I know some chords and stuff like that. But if I were writing something, um, I don't. I, when I've written something it was going for notes. and so the the only song I've ever actually written um, to say that it was I had you know lyrics and a melody and everything like that and it was written was in jail. And so I had nothing. So I would and at that point, I was coming from playing piano and violin. I wasn't a bass player at that point. So all I knew was notes on staffs so i took my little you know prison notebook which is like a a little steno pad and my pencil and i was making staffs and then i was like okay uh, i'm just gonna say that this is my start note so i just decided my start note was uh, a middle c Um, i have no clue if it was or not and then i just went all right and i was doing the melody and then i would just do the half notes up to make sure i got it and i wrote it down and i got on the hallmark and then i started looking at you know, how long are these beats and whatnot? And I was just getting very much into the uh, the Mozart of it all. Super frustrating because I didn't have anything to do it with it. I could have pecked out, but I, I'm sure if I was going to write a song now, it would be I would get on the keys and I would just peck out the melody first and then let everything else flow um, and then see where the chords came in. Now, that's my biggest problem is in chords, because as we talked about before, my theory is is for crud. So I don't know like what chord this needs to be. I'm just like, okay, here's the tonic. So I'm just going to say it's this chord and put it in, which is the beautiful thing about playing bass. Mm-hmm. I Don't really have to know as much theory. <laughs> it helps to know what note should come next in the chord progression. But you know, to say, like, I couldn't even tell you C has a a C an E and a G, is that a C chord? That's correct. Man, wow, okay. So, but otherwise I don't know uh, all that stuff now. And I think that would be difficult for me I think if I was writing all of it and doing the notation and arrangements those people blow my mind you know watching people know how to write that
1: so I think specifically in the situation that you're talking about something that I've felt we're missing in our music educational system in the United States is, is a, the music use, like, well, yeah, a music <laughs> educational system yes a music educational system but it's very common in Europe and Asian countries like part of your primary education includes learning things like solfege. Uh, If you don't know solfege, think, um, gosh, what's that musical? Uh, Do, a deer, a female deer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Yeah, that's Um, uh, Sound of Music. Sound of Music. That's it. So that Do, Re, Mi, Fa, So, La, Ti, Do, that's your solfege. And what that's teaching you is the relationship between each note and your tonic, your Do. Uh, So if you were in a situation where you were writing and you didn't have a musical instrument, if you're really familiar with your solfege, you would be able to notate where each note is in relationship to your tonic Mm -hmm. uh, without having to do your chromatic scale to make sure that you're right on track because you could just... uh, you know that if you've got your Do, Mi, So, you can pick all of those out and just know exactly where you are in relationship to your tonic.
0: Yeah. So I, I love to do it. You know, this one time at band camp, um, I went to music camp, I don't know, six, seven times as a kid. And uh, the guy who started the camp was a guy named Mr. Ohlendorf, um, which is funny. I haven't thought of that for I don't know, 40 years now uh 45 years uh, anyhow he would walk up to you, this little old fart and the, the <laughs> camp was up in uh in the uh, mountains it was arrow Bear music camp and so it was hills and whatnot and you'd be standing in line to go eat or do whatever and mr o would walk up to you and he would just say give me a concert a give me a concert g and, and like you would just like hunt for a note and he'd listen Nope. And didn't walk off. But he had perfect pitch. And I've known I've known three people in my life that have had perfect pitch. And I'm like, wow. And and I don't have perfect pitch. I have I have really good um, I can tell the gaps. I don't know what the mm-hmm. word is, but like I, I can tell like like if I hear a note, if I'm tuning, I don't typically use a tuner because I can hear when it's on a note. Yeah. And it's like, okay, no, it's that it just has a clarity in my ear. Mm -hmm. Now, I might not know if I'm tuning my F as a G. But whatever I'm tuning, I know it's right on where that note would be if it were a note. It's not going to be like an F plus a couple of, uh, you know, wiggles. Um, But I don't know, like, sure, that sounds like a C, great, that's great. And I never, never, ever hit it. I never saw anybody hit. And maybe Mr. O was just lying to people. Um, He liked to tell them no.
1: I wish, I rem- when I was in college for music, if you had perfect pitch, you were like the prince or princess of the music program. Uh, not by the teachers, because the teachers didn't seem to care, but the students, we were like, all hail, me yeah, yeah. ye with perfect pitch. Um, and when James Tang joined our worship team as our drummer, uh-huh. uh, I found out he had perfect pitch. Really? And for I a long time, I was like, oh, all hail, wow. <laughs> king of drums.
0: Now, and that's funny too, you know, because that seems to be his main instrument to have that. I wonder with people like that, how much that drives them nuts. Because I I have a really hard time when I hear a person playing and it's off, mm-hmm. and it's like, how are you not hearing that? Especially on a fretless instrument, you know, like in an orchestra, you know, it's like the violinist is is playing something and it's like, oh gosh, do some more vibrato because your note's off. Um, yeah. That that bugs the credit. of I me. Mean, or a guitar, it's like, you know, you got five out of six right, but that's not good enough. <laughs> Get that other one, you know, brought up to, to where it needs to be. And I bet you those perfect pitch people are just walking around all day long and their ears are just like,
1: ah. Oh, this is terrible. No, I totally get what you're saying. It's very grating yeah. to hear something be just slightly off, which is why I've told my husband, none of our children will ever learn the violin because <laughs> I can't handle the learning process oh unless gosh. they are just as uh, tuned into music as I am because if it's off, it just drives me nuts.
0: Well, And yeah, violin is not an instrument that, you know, it's, it's really... Like with a drummer, you can give them drum pads and they can play a little softer. Uh, our neighbor next door, their son was learning to play saxophone in junior high. And oh my gosh, it was like dying cats. And you could hear him. By the time he graduated from high school, he was really good. And But you could just hear him and he practiced right over the wall. So it's like, I don't know, maybe 12 feet from where he would play and oh uh, wow just the the learning curve and it's just it is super super bad but but see with with a violin at least they can play a little soft with a reed instrument it's like oh it's loud and it's and they squeak and oh yeah holy cow any any beginning instrument is just tough which is nice with a piano unless you're not blessed to have a piano that's in tune in which case uh, that can be a little wonky as well um, I always wanted to learn to tune a piano I thought that would have been a fun thing can you tune a piano no can you tune a fish hey that was a long way to go for that joke <laughs> all right so um so writing songs uh if you're gonna look at now and and mm-hmm. and uh, you've progressed over time but you're looking right now you're gonna sit down and you're gonna write a song you've got an idea for a song do you do you do that do you like okay i'm going to write a song and sit and think or is like idea comes now i'm gonna write which how does that work for you
1: um it's worked both ways uh there's sometimes that I'll be just sitting and something comes in my head and I'm like, oh, that's great. Like That, I would say, was the primary way that I wrote in high school, mm-hmm. was very much just doing my thing and a song would pop into my head and I, would oh, got to write that down. Like To this day, there's a handful of them. Uh, there's a lot that I would say are really bad, uh, <laughs> but there are a handful that to this day, I think, hold up and do pretty well. And that was the primary way that I wrote at that time. Now, typically I will, um, as a mom and full-time working, you kind of have to be a little more intentional with your time. Uh, so I'll usually slot out some time for myself and I'll come with something that's a current inspiration. So some concept, um, a scripture or a thought that I'm like, I want to flush this out and turn it into a song.
0: Yeah. And then, um, uh, how long does that typically take for you now to to write a song from from conception to final?
1: Um, so final for me, because I am not a producer, and I am very quick to say I'm not a producer. I am a songwriter from the time it takes to write the lyrics and melody to having a chord chart, and then I go, okay, someone else help me ah. <laughs> get this actually into it, an actual song. Uh, but from nothing to chord chart it really depends on the song um and i'm usually working on three or four at a time uh and i'd say if something's really catching like something's just really inspirational for me at the time it can take a matter of hours mm-hmm. to get to that point um there's a song that i finished recently that took me two years okay so, so how,
0: how does the, how do you put it down then if you're like you're in it and how do you say, okay, I'm just going to set this down either for a day and move on to something else or, you know, for a couple of weeks and come back? What, how do you know, look, I can't keep beating my head against this rock?
1: Um, for me, songwriting is such a passionate, a passion project, and it's not something that I'm being paid to do at the moment. So once it goes from being something I'm enjoying to being something that's just frustrating is when I go, okay. I'm not enjoying myself doing this. I'm not enjoying this song anymore. I'm going to set this down and come back to it when I'm no longer frustrated.
0: Okay. And is that, because for me, writer's block, when I'm writing, is um, the first time it happened, it was really scary. Like, uh-oh, the word's left. There's The, the lake is drained, and i got to wait for a storm to come. It's going to take a long time to fill this lake again. Uh, now I know that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I have some approaches on how to get through it. But um, when words escape me, that is one of the most sad and depressing things in my life is when I cannot make words happen. So when you get to the point where you have to put the song down, is it? Um, do you experience that? Or, or or is it just like, okay, well, it's just time to go on to something else?
1: Um so- Since I'm almost always writing multiple songs at once, uh, if I'm really, really dry and done with on one song, I'll try to go to one of the other ones. There are some times that just nothing comes out. Um, And yeah, it is kind of, it's sad. Uh, I actually have a little chorus that I wrote one time that was just about the fact that (laughs) I couldn't think of anything and it made me depressed. So I wrote a song about how I was depressed and I couldn't write a song. and since it's a way that I process emotions, I used to drive my mom nuts because I sang constantly. I was always singing about what I was doing and what I was, where, where I was going. If I was making a sandwich, I would be singing about how I'm making that sandwich and it would drive my mom nuts. And I had no idea that I was even doing it. Um, so usually once that well is dry and there's nothing, um, I start going, okay, let's just do something fun and silly. And so instead of focusing on something that's good and um, that would be marketable and catchy, I'm just like, well, what's on my mind right now? And what's a silly melody to go with this thing that's on my mind? Um, And I just kind of throw some things out that I know are never gonna go anywhere and not really gonna do anything, but they're just things that kind of help uh, lubricate the brain a little bit and get me out of a funk.
0: I wonder if Weird Al sits there and writes really deep, serious songs when he gets into a funk. You know, it just goes (laughs) completely opposite. Because when I get into a writer's block on a book, that's when I'll go and and blog. Like, I recently started a new blog on a new platform, and it was because the book wasn't happening. And I kept on, you know, chiseling at this rock, and it's just like, I don't see the shape that's in this rock yet. So I just said, I'm just going to go away, write something that I can just throw away, you know two three pages instead of yeah. you know trying to find the big thing and and come back to it um but i don't know and and hopefully at some point um we find you know the gold which kind of leads us uh in a ham-fisted way to our song of the week which is and oh my gosh this girl's name i want to say it's brooke ligertwood wood
1: ligert-wood. Yeah. ligertwood
0: so um she should change it. She should get a stage name and just have it, like, be Brooke Wood or something like that. Uh, but this is a song called Honey in the Rock. Uh, and so we're going to give you about 90 seconds of that. We'll be back on the other side to tell you our thoughts and to talk more about this whole songwriting thing. So here's Brooke Wood with Honey in the Rock.
1: Sweetness the sheep Now have tasted it's not hard to see only you can satisfy the sunny in the the sunny in the rock honey and the sunny in
0: Okay. Miss Brooke, whatever her last name is, l- say it. Liggertwood. There you go, <laughs> with uh, Honey in the Rock and uh, Brandon Lake uh, singing with her as well, which I really enjoy some Brandon Lake. Um, Mariah, you do this song mm-hmm. um, on Sundays uh, with uh, the worship team. Tell me uh, your thoughts on on this song. What, what stands out to you?
1: Um, this song, I remember stumbling across it for the first time, and it was one of those, like, oh, I'm just going to listen to whatever's new on Christian Christian radio. Uh-huh. And I heard it, and I was like, oh, I have to do this one. And I sent it to a couple people, and they were all like, mm, okay, it's all right. <laughs> and I was kind of defeated, took it to the worship team, and one of the members of my worship team had a really big problem with the song. Um, just they were like, well, what, what about when God – like doesn't show up like when the miracle doesn't happen and we had a really good conversation about that but the part that just really jumped out to me was just the simple line of wherever i go there's mana on the ground Hmm. and it took me back to reading about the history of mana being on the ground and there's just something so beautiful about the fact that the manna was only there for a day and it was only good for a day. Mm-hmm. And every single day you woke up and you had to trust that God had provided food for you. Yeah. Um, and you had to trust that as you're gathering only one day's worth that tomorrow there will be manna on the ground, which is a miraculous thing that's happening every single day for 40 years. Yeah. And so that is 40 years of daily trusting that your ability to survive and feed yourself is going to be provided by God.
0: Yeah, it's um, you know, and th- that's the the lyric that I, I highlighted that stands out to me is that bounty in the wilderness. Uh, but as you're as you're speaking about that, that manna, um, you know, at some point they decided that they were going to collect more. Mm-hmm. And off the top of my head now, I don't remember how long they were doing it, but they had seen consistently God providing. Yep. And then just decided, you know what? I'm not sure if he's going to keep providing. Maybe I should do this.
1: Don't we all? I've got a
0: better (laughs) plan than God. And oh my gosh, it's just so... To me, I read it. And one of the things I love about reading the Bible is I can see how stupid those people are. Yet it's so difficult for me to turn that magnifying glass on myself and be like, well, you do the same thing, Paul. You you watch God provide and provide and provide and then think this is going to be the time he won't. What if he doesn't? Um, the conversation you had with the person on your team, <clears throat> how did that conversation go? Did, did they see a different side of it or because just my own, you know, five cent psychology says, well, they're struggling with something right now. Mm-hmm. They're not seeing the provision.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, how did, did that ever resolve? Did they... Um, did you get
1: we got to a good place Um, I think what we ultimately landed on was that sometimes God's provision doesn't look the way we want it to and therefore we forget that it's provision Um, in my situation right now and I've talked a little bit about it my daughter is currently going through some health struggles Mm -hmm. um, and we were like we're going to buckle down and we're going to fast and we're going to pray and we saw great things happen But there's also some things that we haven't seen come to fruition yet. My daughter is still having seizures, and we're like, God, where is the miracle in this? Mm -hmm. Where is she's 18 months old? She doesn't need to go through this, right? Um, And we have to remember that sometimes the miracle isn't the provision. Sometimes it's the community built around us, um, or even doctors the fact that doctors can help us with our daughter is a miracle in and of itself because i'm a very, i'm a big believer in that if god didn't want people to discover cures and medicine that they wouldn't have that all of that has been uh, a provision of god and so um i think that's where we ultimately landed is is god not providing or are we not seeing it because it's not the provision we wanted
0: I was just writing that down. I really like that that sometimes the miracle isn't the provision because it can be so easy to think that that's what it is. Um, The name is escaping me right now. There was a guy um, who his ministry would provide Bibles and so I would have inmates write to get a Bible because the Bible that the um, facility where I was they would provide a Bible for you, but it was a King James version mm. and you know, 90% or more of the people that I was working with were um, not illiterate, but they were not substantially literate. Yeah. So their reading level was elementary level and so for them just trying to sound out the words and get through King James, by the time they'd read the sentence, they couldn't figure out what it meant and so they were missing all the meaning. and so. This particular ministry would provide a a CEV, Contemporary English version, Mm -hmm. which was very simplified for them and they could understand it. But the other side of that is they would send other materials and this particular ministry was very much a Ministry of Prosperity, you know, uh, you know, name it and claim it kind of ministry. and. These guys are sitting in, in jail and they're not getting what they're, you know, this stuff. And it says you know, knock and the door's going to be anth- open. It's like, I'm, I want out. Let me out. he's it, it like, not right now, guys. There's timing in this. And, yeah. and, and I had a conversation. I was in the prison yesterday. <clears throat> uh, as we're recording this, this is uh, September 1st. Uh, August 31st is National Drug Overdose Awareness uh, mm. Day. And uh, so we had an event in the prison and one of the ladies who was speaking had just lost her son three years ago. It was her first time publicly speaking about it. She was a wreck and uh, he had died to overdose. And so I was talking to one of the inmates afterwards and <clears throat> we, you know, we're just talking about that idea of, you know, sometimes it's difficult and when people convert we get a lot of people who convert in prison you know Mm -hmm. it's like a foxhole you're searching for anything so all right I'll try God and then they want everything to be good it's like well listen I I came to your church and I prayed and I took your Bible and I'm coming to your classes but you know I'm still having problems with my celly I still have a guy across the day room who's eyeballing me and wants to beat me up Uh, this guy stole my stuff what's going on here Mm -hmm. how come it's not great I said to this guy yesterday I said you know, Peter was the rock that Christ built his church on, and he died hanging upside down from a cross.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe that's the best I can hope for. And if I don't get that, maybe I I did better than Peter. So maybe it's not as bad as I think because it's, you know, a perspective thing. But just to think that everything is going to be wonderful. You know, God provided manna. Mm-hmm. God did not, not provide mansions. It yeah. was just sustenance to get you through. And he did it in a desert, not in a beautiful jungle with, you know, an oasis or anything like that. It was just wandering in the desert. Um, That's not what we're promised. We're not promised wonderful. We're promised.
1: It's actually really funny to me, um, prosperity gospel, because I've been in a history class for my Assemblies of God credentials, pastorship credentialing and we were talking about the history of the church starting in the early church right after uh, after peter and all of them established the church and we got to the part where um constantine made christianity no longer a taboo but an actual established religion of rome and we learned about these people called the desert fathers Who were so mad that so many people were joining Christianity and that there was no longer persecution that they left Rome to go live in the desert to persecute themselves. Oh, my gosh. And uh, there's one that built a pillar and he lived his life on top of a pillar and relied on people to bring him food every day. And he just stood on that pillar Wow. for the rest of his life because he felt that being a Christian meant persecution. And so to flip it on its wow head to today where we're in prosperity gospel uh, is just so wild to me where we've gone from you're a Christian, therefore expect persecution to yeah. you're a Christian, therefore expect everything to be on this golden platter.
0: Yeah. And in America, we don't have, I don't believe we don't have a, a very strong concept of what persecution actually Absolutely looks not. like. People talk about, oh, it's the end of the world and oh, everything is you know going to hell in a handbasket because this this and this. And I mean, yeah, the economy is not great and inflation's high and gas is high, but I mean,
1: when your biggest concern is happy holidays versus merry christmas. Yes. Uh, yes, yes. You don't know persecution very well.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're we're not and, and I mean, yeah, perspective is a huge huge thing. Um, so, um, getting back to your songwriting um, for you, is there more uh, joy, satisfaction in the writing of the song or in hearing the song performed for somebody um, and, and the, the presentation of the song?
1: Um, I'd say my satisfaction comes from the moment the song is finished. Um, or when I write something that man just really, I felt hit the mark. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's where I get really giddy. And I'm like, Oh, look at that. That line right there was so good. Or, Oh, this whole thing turned out so good. Um, so that's, I would say is my main satisfaction. Uh, but there is really just a joy since, um, And I will say this is more recent. So now what I write is worship music. Back in the day, when I was in high school, uh, I wrote more contemporary pop kind of things. Um, But now that what I write is worship music, there is just such a love of seeing people worship together Mm -hmm. with the music that I put together. um, Just because I did it with the intention of glorifying God. So seeing multiple people come together and glorifying God through the yeah. thing that I wrote to glorify God is uh, just this absolute beautiful thing. And I will, I will say, the first time we performed um, many voices one song, I was everyone was still learning it, so it wasn't that big, it wasn't super right. great the next time when people were singing it and there was a time where I could hear them singing over me, yeah, uh, I was almost in tears because I was right. like, this was made to glorify God. And right now I hear a whole room of people who are glorifying God. Have you really ever had special. the
0: opportunity to not be performing it, but just to be in the audience or in the wings so you can just uh, hear it?
1: None of my other leaders have led it yet. Um, but I have had the opportunity to walk in on some of my students playing it on their uh, phones yeah. or um, walking into a room and it's on someone's playlist. And that's really great. It's a yeah. great feeling.
0: Yeah, I, um, you know, I don't get to watch people read my book, but I, I get to talk to them after they have. So that's something. But when I was doing uh, videos and I, I always wanted to watch when it would be played, I was like to stand like off in the wings and watch people's faces mm-hmm. um, because at that point, you know, if you've, you know, made a, a 10 minute, you know, short movie, you've probably spent, you know, hundred hours or so on it. Um, so you know what it is. You don't have to watch it, but watching the people's faces, seeing if they react in the right times. If, if I did comedy, it would be like, you know, I would just be in another room and I'd listen. Are they laughing at the right things? Are they, you know, that kind of, so I, okay. that's where I get the joy. I mean, it's, there's a lot of joy in the creation and I, I, it's therapeutic. But my reward comes in the presentation to people.
1: I think as I am presenting more frequently, as I said, like this is my first real adventure into the releasing of music. I've played some of my songs at open mic nights and stuff like that, but this is the first time I'm really getting to see that full impact of releasing something and seeing people latch on. So I my answer might change down the road mm-hmm. as I find more satisfaction in that, but for many years I re- I wrote primarily for myself. Yeah. Uh so when something was done it was more about what was my favorite line and what was my favorite part about it. And that was more what I drew satisfaction from.
0: And you're, um, you know, you're writing worship music, but for me, um, I'm old enough that music still means an album. Um, so if I were going to sit down and write a song, I wouldn't want to sit down and write a song. I would need to have 10 songs because an album is 10 songs. Um, and it would have to have a theme to it. It would have Mm -hmm. to be, you know, a not necessarily a concept album, but they would have to have some connective tissue. How do you think about it? Are you young enough that you're just a single EP kind of person and you can do that without feeling like you need to have this whole chunk?
1: So um, really, that's all about opportunity to me, is if I have the opportunity to release a full work, that is fantastic. Um, But at the level I'm at right now and with the tools at my disposal right now, singles and EPs are more doable. If I wanted to release an album, which we're hoping in the near future to do, um, but looking at that, it's such a big project that would require so much time and so much commitment from multiple people, uh, that releasing the single and the EP are the things that are tangible and I'd rather be working towards tangible things um, rather than what I think I've gotten caught up in the past is I wanna release this whole thing. Like you said, the whole album with this string tied through um, and this full concept really flushed out. Uh, But sometimes those things are so far out of reach that you just keep putting it off until it's in reach. And sometimes you take those steps like the singles and the EPs to be able to reach that full flushed out thought. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which makes sense to me because that's kind of what I did with writing. I I blogged for years before I finally, you know, I had this book. Uh, I started it in um, October of 2001, this book. And um, then it finally came out in uh, April of 2020 so it was a long time that that book just sat and mold in the back of my head and I wrote all sorts of other things just trying to get myself to that point so I guess you have to have a preseason before you know you have a postseason um, if you are um, performing someone else's song now
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and you've been writing songs for a while but but now that you're getting more serious with it and you you've, you've you know, have something that's produced and whatnot. Does it give you a different approach to doing somebody else's song, taking their words, their thoughts, their ideas and trying to represent it? Or do you still look at it and how do you approach somebody else's music?
1: Um, I like to spend a lot of time reviewing lyrics. Uh, Something that anytime I approach someone's song, I take time to really try and understand what is the message that's being spoken what was the intention Mm -hmm. um, and why is it important that I do it yeah Uh, because there's some songs that are fantastic I love so much of the Christian music that comes out but on when I review the lyrics and stuff I'm like okay this was this one's not meant for my congregation it's not meant for this stage Uh, but I still appreciate the music and the artist but it as a songwriter, I, I know the work that went into it and the process that went into it. So I want to appreciate and to represent well the song that was done um, to give the song the credit it's due.
0: Yeah. And you said, you know, you're writing mostly worship stuff now. Um, when I first started doing, you know, listening to Christian music and and. Um, Becoming aware of it, I didn't have a concept of the difference between a Christian song and a worship song. Mm -hmm. So, do you only write worship songs or do you write, are you open to writing Christian songs too?
1: Um, So, in the world of songwriters, we typically call that congregational or artistry. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that's congregational is meant for a congregation, and then artistry is more meant for single listening. Um, I write on both ends because I'm releasing as a worship team, the congregational stuff is definitely what takes priority of getting released and being fully flushed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I write on both ends of the spectrum.
0: Do you have any, uh, like, is one of them more fun or uh, more difficult or are, are there differences in it?
1: Lyrically, I'd say artistry is more fun uh, just because I have the full authority just to really flush out my experience. Right. Uh, Whereas with congregational, you want things that 99% of your congregation can relate to. So sometimes you lose some of that, my personal experience to make it accessible to a large group of people to worship to. Right. Um, So I'd say lyrically, the artistry side is a little more fun Um, as far as, Musically, on the other hand, I have more fun with the congregational side just because I'm writing in a way that I want to have multiple people singing. I want to have a whole lot of people engaging in it. So it's fun to make it in a way that uh, the whole congregation is going to be excited to sing that.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And that's where I think I would go is, you know, because the, the artistry side to me is like personal. Mm -hmm. Uh, like you said, it's like, all right, here's this idea, here's this concept, here's this verse, and here's how it played out in my life. And I can tell that story. It's Mm -hmm. more of a storytelling. Whereas, you know, with worship, I always, the, the, the general way that I define the difference is, am I singing about God or am I singing to God? And artistry to me is singing about God. Worship is singing to God. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where I, I do the flip flop. So it's a lot easier for me to tell the stories about my life.
1: So, uh, in worship music, we kind of classify it under, uh, three categories. We have man to God. So songs that we're singing to God, man to man, which is your encouragement. Like, Hey, do you see all this stuff? God's done. we should all be excited about it. And then there's the, um, God to man, which is singing about God's promises to us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, you've obviously done your work. Uh, That's good. Uh, So what are your goals as a songwriter? What are you hoping to achieve?
1: My goal is to someday be able to uh, retire out of ministry to do songwriting, um, because that is where my primary passion lies. Um, so
0: retire from church ministry to do Church doing, ministry,
1: yeah. yes. Um, I, I love being a pastor and I love being a worship pastor, um, but I've felt since a very young age that my calling was in songwriting. Um, so I'm trying to take those steps to make that a viable career path. Now, so it doesn't always work out for everyone, and I'm aware of that. But ultimately, my goal would be to no longer be the face of the music and be more behind the scenes writing the music.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I I understand that. Um, you know, answering a call. We we talked about the prosperity gospel, and um, I got out of jail in February of 2002 and I started prison ministry in March of 2018. So 16 years of trying to get back in to the prison because of my record. Prisons don't want me to be there. So it it was difficult. So when I finally Mm -hmm. got in, I was like, wow. And then they said, well, when can you do this? And I was like, well, I got this on this date and I got this on this date and blah, 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 blah. I went through all these things. and I was like, wow, that's I don't want to tell them no now that they've said yes. So um, I told them whenever you want me, I will be there. And I wrote my two weeks notice to the church that day and Mm -hmm. and just decided I was going to step out um, on faith. And I wasn't making huge money from the church anyway, but it was definitely putting us. So we were upside down on our budget by quitting my job to do this. Plus, we were spending more money doing it. And but so far. You know, God has provided. And, yeah. um, you know, I haven't made a million dollars writing the books. You know, I've, I haven't i have even made four figures writing books. Um, and so you look at a book takes a year to write. And, you know, I, I, I make about, I figured out one time, I, I make about six cents an hour as mm-hmm. a writer. Um, so it's better than nothing, but it's not livable. But God makes it livable.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think something... Um that I have become very aware of in the United States is the concept of workism, where your work becomes your identity. Yeah. And that's something that I think is very dangerous. Is And I think it's partially why you see a lot of kids and teenagers working towards passion projects and expecting to become millionaires over their passion, where work is really the thing that should be funding the things that you love mm-hmm. and, rather than having to be the things that you love, which is why I'm very content being um, in ministry as a pastor. I think it's something I'm filling a need and I'm doing what I should be doing um, while still being the songwriter that I feel I'm being called to by God. So I'm I'm very much about um, doing what co- God's called you to do and that be your calling being part of your identity, whereas your work, and the thing that pays the bills, doesn't mm-hmm. always have to be that. Which is why you know, songwriting, being a songwriter, is like the ultimate dream. But I'm very okay with being where I'm at, and even if I stayed where I was, where I am currently.
0: Yeah, I one of the most um, unbalancing experiences I ever had. I came home from jail, and I was talking. I was standing outside the church. We had just. Come to a new church, and somebody introduced themselves to me, and they said, "Oh, uh, I'm so and so. I'm an engineer on the base." I said, oh "Okay." I'm Paul. I and I didn't know what I was. I'd mm-hmm. lost my career, and that's what I had always been. I was like, "Oh, I'm a teacher." It's like I'm not, and I had, I had no identity. I didn't know what to do or say because I I wasn't anybody, and I I just felt so lost and i Mm -hmm. was just spinning and drowning and and the thing that i love about in celebrate recovery we our identities in christ you know when we introduce ourselves i'm a grateful christian believer i struggle with this instead of the aa you know i'm an alcoholic yeah um you know that identity has to be in christ because no one's going to take that away from me someone can take away my career my job my family my whatever absolutely but they're not going to take away my christ
1: absolutely Uh,
0: so yeah that's a a good point well, um, last time we talked really fast and we did it and I see here we're pushing close to the hour mark, which is, um, you know, you're welcome, people. This is an extra bonus for you, but I don't want to take all of your day. Um, if somebody wants to get involved with writing music, where would you recommend that they start if they want to, you know, look at doing this and, and making music? How, how can a person find resources to get started?
1: YouTube is a great resource. Um, I also recommend Skillshare. They're another great resource if you're looking to learn um, software. And a lot of that depends on what is it that you're wanting to start? Are you wanting to start as a producer? Uh, Then going on and looking for those kind of resources is uh, where you want to start. But I'd say probably to get off the ground, decide what it is that you're looking for, because there are so many facets to being a songwriter. Are you looking to write lyrics? Because there are people who only write lyrics. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are you looking to write the musical side? Are you looking to produce? And then honing in, and I always say, YouTube is just the greatest teacher of all time. It's the best college education you'll ever get. Um, Because you can really specialize in what you're looking for. Um, But I would say really looking at what is it that you're trying to achieve and really honing in on what it is that you want to do is the best place to start.
0: Excellent. And when can we look forward to the next uh, piece of music being released?
1: Oh, we're working on it right now. We're hoping late October.
0: Late October. Nice. Is this going to be a holiday song or just that's the timing that's working
1: Nope. Out? It's just the timing. Okay.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Is there is there a holiday album in the works?
1: Not this year. Maybe down the road.
0: Okay. You know, everybody does. It cracks me up. I have a lot of music and I have uh, two holiday you know christmas albums from neil diamond you know the, the the jewish elvis did christmas music because you know it sells so uh excellent and everybody loves some christmas music well mariah thank you so much for taking the time to do this i really appreciate it thank you listeners for listening welcome to uh september falls right around the corner people uh we're going to get a reprieve from the heat and uh i know right now I'm guessing that uh, my friend Faith is anxiously unpacking all of the fall warm colors and decorations because that woman lives for fall. Uh, But if you uh, live to help us out, don't forget to check out um, our giving opportunities through Patreon or for the text to give If you want to get a hold of me, uh, you can find me on social media. Please like us on our social media places. Uh, Check out the Reddit. Um, So far, nobody has won the free coffee on Reddit. So. Uh, there's there's not much time to do that people um, and you can also uh, give me a call 760-608-1942 we'll get you to my phone uh, Text or calls are always welcome uh, you can email me at bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com um, and we just really appreciate all you do for us hope your weeks are going wonderful can't wait to hear the new song from Hope United and we will see you next time we mess it up